Hey everybody, this is AJ and this is the Unnecessary Podcast. If you're new to the Unnecessary Podcast, just a chill conversation with me and my friends and today we have my good friend, my new friend, who is also my good <laughs> close friend, Laura. Hey Laura. Yes. What's up AJ? I'm, I'm excited to be here, man. Yeah, me too. Um, I think that we, I feel very close to you because we're, even though we're so, such a new friendship because we work together on Denver Community Fridges, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree. I, I definitely feel like really close with like everyone, honestly, even though I've only met two people in real life. Uh, it's yeah, it's definitely so cool to be a part of. And I'm like, just so grateful to like meet the people that I have. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it attracts the same kinds of people, I guess. Yeah, um, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> like not just because of the work we do providing, you know, food to everybody and, and also non-food items um, to anyone who needs it, but like the people who start, you know, Eli and all the other people like the, the, So it attracts the organization attracts the same kind of people for a number of reasons, you know? Yeah, definitely. Definitely agree. Yeah. Um, so why did you pick the song Mac Miller? What's the use? Why was that? Our um, yeah, Mac Miller's just one of my one of my favorite artists of all time. I've listened to him like since high school. He was kind of like the soundtrack to my high school life. Um, and uh, yeah, just been listening to him forever. Unfortunately, he passed away a few years ago um, of an overdose. And yeah, I think that just kind of like. I don't know. I've never really been like affected by celebrity or musician deaths ever, but he was kind of the first one that just like, when I've heard that he passed away, like I was full on crying. It was like so awful. So he just like, he really holds a special place in my heart, have a lot of good memories attached to his music. And I think he's just such a, an insanely talented individual. And that song is one of my favorite of his. So. Yeah. He oh. was such a good <clears throat> musician and just like artist creator of art um, that was I know, pleasing man. to my ears. Um, I don't know if I've, if I listened to this particular song because I, I was never like a fan, quote unquote. I just liked the music. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah. Didn't he date Ariana Grande? He, he sure did. Yeah. And that, uh, he has like pretty much a whole album that's kind of like about her called the divine feminine. Um, <laughs> mm. so, uh, yeah, he's, yeah, he's great. And this album, uh, that this is from, this is like, his last album that he released before he passed away um, uh, that was, you know, all done by him and whatnot. So uh, it's just, yeah, such a, so good. It's yeah. so good. I love Mac Miller so much. <laughs> so based on your, based on what you said about Mac Miller, I can surmise that you're like in your mid twenties. Yes, I am 26 years old. I'll be 27 in December of this year. Cool. Um, and I say that, because I'm 35 and while mm-hmm. I like Mac Miller, I just, in the context of what you were saying, it's like, well, you, you listen to him at a different time in your life. Um, yes. And also I know that I thought about, I was like, I think that's the guy from Pittsburgh. Um, because yep. <laughs> when I, in my mind, when I, when I would listen to his music and think about him dying, I would think about how he's from Pittsburgh. Cause I went to Penn state and, Oh, nice. Yeah. And my, my good yeah. friend and, fraternity brother will zombiak is has been wiz khalifa's manager for like since he started oh wow yeah that's awesome (laughs) yeah so um so penn state is like two or two and a half hours from pittsburgh and wiz khalifa would do concerts at our fraternity house like a couple times three times a year shit (laughs) yeah and 
we would have a big, we had a big house. Like we would have parties of maybe two or 300 people, but this was before mm -hmm. he had any albums. And, um, he, and we just thought that it would be cool if he became super famous and we thought he was really great and loved the music and we would smoke tons of blunts with him. And Dude, um, hell yeah. that was, that's like the most I've hung out with like a super famous person. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's so cool. It's actually funny. Cause, uh, Wiz Khalifa and Mac Miller went to the same high school, uh, Taylor Alderdice in, in Pittsburgh. Um, so yeah, there's definitely that little connection there too. Gotcha. So maybe technically Mac Miller was in the Taylor gang. I don't know if that is an official maybe, thing, man. <laughs> uh, Affiliate at least, you know? Yeah. Where are you from? <laughs> Um, I am from Omaha, Nebraska. I was I was born in Iowa City uh, originally, uh, but we moved to Omaha when I was like a year old. So I just say that I'm from Omaha. It's a lot easier. <laughs> and did you stay in Omaha until you got out for like college or? Yeah, yeah, I did. I yeah, I grew up there until I was 18, and then I, I moved out here for for school. Um, and yeah, yeah, just you know that good old Nebraska living. <laughs> um. So when you were thinking about was college like an automatic thing for you in high school? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I knew that I wanted to go to college. Uh, at first, I thought that I wanted to do physical therapy, actually. Um, and so obviously, you have to go through a lot of school to do that. Um, I ended up coming out here to Regis University, which has a great physical therapy school, but I changed my major like my sophomore year. <laughs> so um, uh, but yeah, yeah, college was always definitely like in the cards uh, for me, kind of regardless of what I was going to do. Mm. Um, I guess... Denver is the closest, like what I would call cool city from where you grew up. <laughs> so I guess it's natural that you ended up here, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you got like, I mean, Chicago, Denver, I mean, if you want to count like Kansas city, I guess kind of Kansas city is kind of cool. Um, but yeah, That's like funny. I, um, yeah, I definitely like wanted to get out of state too for college. Like I've always been, you know, a very like adventurous person going out and, you know, trying new things on my own. And um, Denver, yeah, definitely was like the, I wanted to go somewhere that was far away, but not like too far away. Um, you know, definitely a place with cool nature, which Nebraska doesn't have. Um, <laughs> right. And so, uh, yeah, Denver just ended up being a, a perfect fit. So. Cool. Yeah. I, um, I love Denver and yeah. I, there's like little obvious, as you know, there's like little pockets of like interesting features in Nebraska and uh, like South Dakota, mm -hmm. obviously like Badlands and stuff, but it's like, yeah. it's, it's so dry. You know what I mean? Like it's <laughs> this area of the country is, it just gets like, I like a little bit more moisture. Like when I go camping, I love like seeing creeks and rivers and stuff because the dry, the excessive dryness, um, is nice for my skin and my health, but like, it's a little, it's a little <laughs> weird. It's not the prettiest. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the thing about Nebraska though, is that like, it's like, I honestly, like I'm super biased obviously, cause I'm from there, but like, I do think that Nebraska has some really pretty features. Like Nebraska is the home of Arbor Day. If you didn't know that, um, because like, especially in like the South East corner of Nebraska is like just rolling Hills of trees. And like in the fall, like they just turn like red and orange and yellow. And it's like, Oh my God. It's so fucking pretty. It's so pretty. Um, but I mean, even that is nothing compared to like what we have out here. Uh, and even like, yeah, Colorado is just super diverse too, which doesn't, isn't really a thing in Nebraska either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the metropolitan areas I would say are like pretty diverse. I feel like in the suburbs, yes. it's like, you know, very Christian conservative. Yeah, Great definitely. Place. It definitely depends on what city you go to as well, I think. 
Yeah. Yeah. But I like, right. Colorado Springs uh, is, is pretty conservative <laughs> and weird and boring. Um, but yeah, I yeah. like most of the cities in Colorado <laughs> for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, absolutely. Do you think you want to live here long-term? Definitely like for the foreseeable future. I think eventually I'll, I see myself moving to probably like the Pacific Northwest somewhere. Um, just cause I visited and I, I really like it up there and it rains much more than it does here. That's like my least favorite thing about this place is that it is so sunny. I hate it. I hate that shit. Um, so, but yeah, for the, for the foreseeable future, I just like, you know, I have strong roots here. Good, good friends, uh, friends who are basically like family and, you know, got this whole network of people. I don't see myself moving soon, but yeah. eventually. Yeah. Did was, did it rain a lot where you grew up? Uh, so it, we get a lot of storms in Nebraska. Like we're part of tornado alley. If you're kind of familiar with like that geographical area from like South Dakota down into, uh, Texas, that whole strip there basically gets a lot of severe thunderstorms, um, rain, that kind of thing. And I miss, I love being scared for my life in a storm. I miss that shit. Um, and that doesn't really happen here. So it makes me sad. (laughs) That's so funny. Um, so like what you said, you, you visited the Pacific Northwest, like what part did you visit and did you like? Yeah, I visited. So uh, one of my really good friends from uh, that I knew in middle school uh, moved to Corvallis for school, uh, Corvallis, Oregon. And I went to go visit her our senior year of college. So I went up there. We went like to Newport on the on the coast. And then I spent a few days in Portland and it was just like, it was so beautiful. I love just like how like big the vegetation grows, like the old growth was super beautiful. The coast yeah. couldn't really see too far cause it was cloudy, but like, Oh, it was, it was awesome. And the food was good. And the people were weird as hell and, <laughs> and great. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that does sound wonderful. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm doing a three week road trip with Eva, um, this summer and we're going to spend like two and a half weeks up there essentially the whole time. Nice. We'll be up there. Hell yeah. Um, yeah. Last summer we went up to Washington state um, and that mm-hmm. was my first time in the Pacific Northwest and boy, did I fall in love with it. It was great. Dude. It's, it's hard not to, it's, it's hard not to, I see why so many people are, are flocking up there. Yeah. Um, and also it's like Washington in particular is a nice progressive government for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I, so we were up near like Port Angeles and squim mm-hmm. like, up. Never heard of either of those places. So this is like up in the Olympic, near Olympic National Park. Um, okay. And this is all the way on like the North Shore of Olympic National Park, if you will. So it's mm-hmm. overlooking, like you can see Victoria, um, British Columbia. Okay. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And this little area is protected from the mountains, like similar to Denver in terms of like uh, clouds and precipitation. Mm. So they call mm-hmm. it the blue, the blue ring or the blue hole or something like that. Like p- pilots oh. who fly over because the whole, um, <clears throat> the whole area around it will be covered in clouds, but there will be this one little like donut hole, um, around like Victoria, British Columbia and the, the San Juan islands, uh, and like the Orcas islands and, down into squim and it creates this little circle and it's like this little blue vortex. It's always sunny. Um, wow. Yeah. So for somebody like me, I would get seasonal affective depression in the Northeast. That would be the place for me. Um, there's really you just good go pop into there. the circle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just live in the circle. And then like every week, <clears throat> you know, you're 
half an hour to 90 minutes uh, into wherever you want in the Olympic National Park. Damn. Uh, yeah, have that's you ever so been cool. To that park? Like little like, oh, sorry, go ahead. Have you ever been to that park, Olympic National Park? I have not. No, the only only state I've been to up there is Oregon. So cool. I can't wait to go. Yeah, I've been to Portland, but I've never seen anything around Portland. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. And I was really lucky, too, because my friend lived up there and she has a she had a car and everything. So we were able to drive around and go see a bunch of cool stuff. It was it was a really awesome experience. I bet you'll just have a hell of a time. Mm -hmm. Have you ever heard of Paul Stamets, like the mushroom scientist? I have not. No. So he is the world leader in in like mycology. Um, mm -hmm. so he is the mushroom person and he is single-handedly saving, he's discovering and saving these species of mushrooms in like the old growth forest that may go extinct if the, if the deforestation happens, but there's this one mushroom like agaricon, um, mm -hmm. which he like quote unquote rediscovered, like, um, some of the indigenous people up there used agaricon to, per to fight off smallpox and like other diseases. Um, wow. and he rediscovered it because like Europeans couldn't find it. We didn't know about it for like 400 years mm -hmm. um, because like over 90% of some of these indigenous populations got wiped. The Northwest was one of the most affected by smallpox for some reason. They were particularly, yeah. So they got really wiped out. So we lost a lot of knowledge. Um, but he rediscovered this agaricon mushroom and they synthesized it for, um, anthrax vaccines in like the early 2000s. Um, yeah, the government gave him a bunch of money to like research, to like extract the, the, um, active ingredients and, and they used it to fight off anthrax. Um, and this guy wow. finds he like mushrooms can like eat through like oil, like oil spills and like digest mm -hmm. the oil and produce like water and CO2 or whatever. Um, yeah, he's, he's really cool. Um, he's also into like, uh, hallucinogenic mushrooms which is cool oh yeah very holistic but he lives up there and he goes into those forests like up in the northwest he, he used to live in darrington which is an awesome little town in washington but anyway yeah mm -hmm. we should go up there together one time dude that would be great i know i my friend who lived up there i keep mentioning her but she her and her friends would always go like mushroom hunting during during the season or whatever and like you know she'd always send snapchats of, of their haul during the day and i'm just <laughs> like it's so cool like it, mushrooms are uh, very like an alien almost kind of growth on this planet, but like they're so cool. <laughs> they are so cool. They're the best. They're like, they're like the Grim Reapers are the agents of death. I love how, <laughs> and like they represent transformation and like life, it, mm -hmm. the process of life and death itself, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're very cool. I wish I knew more about them, but for my limited knowledge, they're pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. I think I mentioned on another podcast, I was, I was pressured out of, out of, um, botany as like a legitimate pursuit for myself. <laughs> pressured out. Oh yeah. no. Why, why, why are you pressured out? Um, possibly because like, it's not, it's not like a traditionally masculine thing to be interested in plants. Mm. A lot of people like were confused yeah. when I would express an interest in like botany during like career days that we would have. Yeah. Um, but uh, mushrooms are, you know, similar, you know, same. Yeah, totally. There you go. Yeah. That's a, that's a bummer that that happened. I mean, plants are, they grow here, you know, <laughs> that, that doesn't seem very gendered at all. Um, uh, but at least, you know, as an adult, you've been able, it seems like you've been able to like find 
love and passion in, in mushrooms and stuff. So that's cool. Yeah. I'm lucky enough where like I have, even when I was working, I had tons of free time to like pursue personal passions like podcasting or mushrooms. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think that drug use is stigmatized in so many ways, but like, I think, mm -hmm. I think it's messed up that like people, people don't think that drug use is a normal part of living a happy life because, because in traditional societies, drug use is always a normal part of life. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you look at any study cultures, uh, you know, either on North America or wherever, you know, and people are always, you know, finding something from the land or, you know, synthesizing something to do. And even in just, you know, American history, it's dr drugs are everywhere and will be everywhere forever. Um, yeah, so it's, it's wild how stigmatized they are. I definitely agree with that. Yeah. And the same, the same people who drink tons of alcohol won't mm -hmm. don't understand or like they're, they're stigmatizing themselves. Like people, people are like, Oh, like, yeah, it's a problem to drink too much. Like you're going to fuck up your liver and you might, you'll underperform at work and it might ruin your personal relationships. But like, um, to, to get, to get intoxicated in like a responsible, like knowledgeable manner, um, mm -hmm. is still stigmatized to the people who do it themselves. Um, in like a weird way. Like it's, it's, I don't know. Um, because, and also because there's a, cause there's compulsive behavior disorders. And so we don't yet know how to properly identify compulsive behavior disorders and say like, for those people, you have to be like very cautious about any activity you do, including drug use. Um, mm -hmm. and then people who don't have those compulsive behavior disorders who can risk, can do drugs less, less, um, I mean, they can do it, I guess, easier, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I, yeah, I definitely know what you mean. I definitely would say I fall into that, like, second category of people that you're talking about. I think, you know, if you do it and, you you know, you know what you're doing, you test your drugs and, you know, you do it responsibly, like, go live your fucking life, you know? It's like, who cares? Like, anybody who is pressed about, like, what somebody else does that doesn't affect them or anybody else, like, you're, you're a weirdo, my man, you're a fucking weirdo. Why are you like this? Yeah. I learned that <laughs> <laughs> I learned that the way that death um or like the for cause of death data is is documented um mm -hmm. if <clears throat> if you have heroin in your system and they will they will say that you died of heroin but like they won't mention the fact that you also had like a blood alcohol content of like 0.25 or something <laughs> like or that you also had fentanyl and, and also like, um, some, some other respiratory depressant essentially. Um, because right. if you, if you, if we looked at the data, um, this book drug use for grownups talks about this. Like if, if we were able to look at people who died just from heroin, people who died just from alcohol and people who died because of a combination of both, the people who died just from heroin would be the lowest group. People who died from yeah, alcohol would yeah. be much higher. And also mm -hmm. uh, you can, alcohol is one of the very few drugs that you can die from withdrawal and you can't die from heroin withdrawal. Right. Um, it's just, it's yeah. Uh, very, yeah. I've learned so much about this book and, and yeah, about us. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, it's, yeah, I never knew about like how they record deaths like that, but I guess that makes sense. Uh, I could see water's getting like pretty, pretty muddy if, I don't know. 
I don't really know how any of that shit works, but yeah, no, definitely. Like, yeah, I, I do. I've done a lot of reading. If you're familiar with the website, arrowid.com. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, like definitely a lot of that, just kind of general research. Cause you know, I'm definitely the kind of person where like, if I'm putting something in my body, I want to know what's happening and why, and what could potentially result, uh, in me doing that thing. So, you know, so Arrowhead's been around, like I was looking at Arrowhead in high school. Um, yeah. and I'm 35. So that was like 2004 and it's 2021. Damn. So like, it's been around at least 17 years. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And so like you, YouTube started, I think in like 2008 or 2009. So like mm-hmm. it predate. And so before YouTube, before like videos and, and like TikTok, like before entertainment was more multimedia on the internet, mm-hmm. reading stuff was like super interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely remember like the early days of the internet. I never like really owned a computer in my home, but like the school district I went to was very like technology based. And, uh, so I definitely remember like the, the early days of the internet before YouTube and, you know, it was like a lot of blogs and random ass (laughs) websites and stuff. (laughs) Right. And, and right. And so you remember that like the, the websites like were visually like disgusting, right? Like we didn't figure out, we did not figure (laughs) out like web design. Yeah. Everything was like lime green and then like comic sans. Yeah. With like squigglies in the back or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Bad man. Um, That's why I still, I, whenever I find a website these days that is like that still, I'm like, I, I love this. I love this so much. Yeah. It is kind of refreshing. It is like, um, like a, a cassette tape or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's nostalgic um, for sure. And maybe back then we were, we were still just thinking about formatting stuff. Like it's on a piece of paper um, mm-hmm. and then we didn't understand the idea of like too much scrolling. Um, yeah. but anyway, with, with Arrowhead, the, the stories that people would tell the experiences mm-hmm. were the, the, some of the most entertaining things and still are on the internet. And I love how Arrowhead, when you tell a story, you, you say what, what drugs you have, you very explicitly at the top mm-hmm. list out what you were taking and how much and like what duration and like, what was the other like set and setting around, mm-hmm. you know, your story. And gosh, I'm, I read that. I, this is coming back to me. I don't think I've read this since college. There was this one story <laughs> of this person who worked in a hospital who was like hooked mm-hmm. on some drugs and they learned that like the pharmacist was not like tracking, like because they were a medical, like because they were working in post-op or something, like they had an unlimited supply of painkillers and they wouldn't track it because they were like, what are we, what are we going to fucking track people who are out of surgery a day later? So this person is so strung out and has so much compulsive behavior disorder that like, they're just like shoving needles into their thigh, like in the, in the hallway while walking. Yeah. 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 And, and they're saying like, I don't recommend, like I was, this was bad, but it was super. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, no, I definitely feel the same way. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm on some like drug subreddits as well. And like, there's definitely a few where I'm like, these motherfuckers are so unhinged, but like, I love, I love reading these stories and they type all crazy and it's just one big paragraph or something. And I'm like, you know, I'm glad you're here to type this out for me. (laughs) Yeah. And so I do have a compulsive behavior disorder. I I've had eating Mm -hmm. compulsive eating disorders and, um, and I use a, a vaporizer pen like every day, um, as essentially a crutch, you know, like it's like mm-hmm. some people take anxiety meds and I take that. 
Um, there you go. For me. Yeah. yeah. But the thing with like mushrooms and like when I used to have access to like LSD, um, I would always want more, but like I have right now, I would always have some, I would like have some on me, but I haven't t- like, so I, right now I have some mushrooms and I haven't mm-hmm. touched them in months, but I want more. And so it's like, it's like the opposite of an addictive drug. As you know, you take mushrooms the next day. You don't really, I never feel like I want to take them again. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm I, yeah, definitely. I feel refreshed for like a month. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I definitely, I can't like super relate to that. I'm usually just like the kind of person where I usually have like a little bit of stash, like of each kind of certain thing, just like on hand, you know? Um, and when I run out, sometimes I'm just like, well, I guess I'll never do this again, <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, but no, I have like gone on the dark web a few times and ordered some stuff off of there. And that's been a, an interesting experience. Cause yeah, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not in college anymore. I don't really have like the numbers that I can just literally dial at any time of the day and, you know, go, go downtown and pick some shit up. Like, you know, this is like, you know, if I want something, I have to go seek it out myself and mm-hmm. it's not always, not always easy. So sometimes I'm just like, oh, I'll just go to the dispensary instead, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in 2008, I ordered the two ingredients you need to mix to make DMT. Like the, oh, nice. like the kind <laughs> that like, like I heard rather to make ayahuasca, like the, yeah what the, the fucking liquid, Amazons. Yeah. yeah. So it's like Bonasterius copy or whatever is one of them. And then the other one is like the MAOI inhibitor or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I ordered them and I, I was so freaked out. I thought that like <laughs> boots, Jack, Jack booted thugs were going to kick down my door and like take me away to Guantanamo. Dude. Like I was <laughs> literally like same like when i i ordered like most recently i ordered like this pretty not like big batch of molly off of the dark web but like you know it was a pretty good amount to split between me and my friend and like every day i would get home and be like this is it like they you know they saw me take it pick it up off my porch like i'm going to be arrested today like but obviously never happened they don't give a shit about somebody ordering 25 pills of molly off of the dark web like (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, but scary though. Definitely got lucky. Like there is a bit of like, I wouldn't, I don't know. I'd be, I'd be really afraid to research this, but I'm sure there's some horror stories of like God, the one time I fucking order on the, like the 0.001% of people that get caught. That's one person. <laughs> right. I know. And, and when, and of course I'm always, you know, I'm the kind of person that's like, that's going to be me. That's going to be me, you know, but no we're all good. All safe, you know, for, for now. It's we'll see. so stupid that we have to like worry about this. I know. Yeah. It's like, who, you know, the times I've done those Molly pills that I've taken, I like, we had like a, we colored in coloring books one night on my living room floor. You know, it's like, it, you know, who gives a shit who, you know, and even if it's like, you know, something that people might consider like more hard or, you know, stigmatized or whatever. Yeah. I'm, I'm just so like, who, who cares? Who cares? Yeah. And like illegal drugs are always the worst. Like, like there's <laughs> yeah. like, that's fent. Like when you get fentanyl and you don't know how much fentanyl it is, that's the fucking worst. Or like, if that's you, so scary. Yeah. It's terrifying. And yeah. And then in high school, there was always stories of like, Oh, the weed was laced man. And I don't think that's ever happened. <laughs> yeah. But like if you, if weed was just legal and for everybody, like you could grow it. And, and I think 
I think people would be a lot happier. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, if all drugs were at the very least like decriminalized, we would see so many, like such like fewer problems in this country, just as a whole, it would solve so many things. Um, it makes no sense to criminalize and, you know, penalize people for having them or using them. It's so yeah. archaic. It's so stupid. Yeah. And as a socialist, I think that like everything is a class war. And so I think the history of criminalizing all drugs except alcohol was, and tobacco, but like alcohol specifically for like, they, they just figured out like trauma plus alcohol is better than trauma plus peyote. Um, (laughs) and so they're like peyote out. And, um, I'm sure there was psychic, I mean, there was opium like all through the middle East, Um, so I'm sure like Christianity, like as an institution regarded that as like bad, you know, um, probably probably brought you too close to God and like, it probably made you too (laughs) critical of the church. Dude, Um, for sure. I mean, yeah. And it's just like with the class thing too, it's like, you look at, you know, crack versus, uh, cocaine and they're basically like the same drug, but like you know, obviously crack versus cocaine are used by two like pretty different demographics of people. And you can, you know, it's no coincidence, which one is, you know, carries a higher penalty. And, you know, you just kind of look at those things and look at the deeper, you know, context of why things are the way they are. And it's like, oh yeah, it makes sense. And it's fucked up. (laughs) Yeah. Um, in this book, this dude has done this, this writer in drug use for grownups, he's been a medic, like a drug researcher, uh, for years. And he's done all these trials with thousands of participants with methamphetamine, as well as, um, like the ADHD amphetamine salts. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And the dudes like in clinical studies, like no matter who you are, the, the fucking results are the same. And like the fact that we regard ADHD medicine as something essential and we regard, us a homeless person that walks around in freezing weather all night and takes meth because it makes him feel a little bit better and allows them to walk all night. So they don't freeze mm-hmm. to death. Like we see that as like bad. <laughs> it's like, yeah, what? it's yeah. It's there's so many, so many ass backwards things, man, especially when it comes to drugs. It's, you know, I could talk about it all day, how, how much it pisses me off and whatnot. But yeah, it's, it's so silly, dude. I, and you know, that's why I applaud, you know, cities like Denver and, and I was at Portland maybe that, you know, decriminalized like mushrooms or whatever, like, you know, just little tiny steps like that. It's like, you know, huge. And hopefully someday we can, you know, I always point to like Portugal as kind of the, you know, sh- shining example of what drug de- decriminalization, decriminalization, I can't talk, you know, when <laughs> drugs aren't illegal, that thing, um, uh, of what that can look like in a society. Cause it's, it's paid off for them, you know, so much. And yeah. they have such a great system over there. Portugal is fucking awesome with that system. Dude. Um, and I had it's... a fucking good ass time in Portugal for sure. Nice. <laughs> and that's, what's funny. Like this guy writes about, he says like, I've been to Portugal and it's awesome, but like it didn't, because I was in Portugal didn't make me want to do drugs more. Like I've been to Portugal. Exactly. Yeah. When I landed, I wasn't like, Oh, I got to find drugs. It was just like, I'm just the same person. Like when, when drugs are legal, people don't fucking change. People don't do more drugs. Exactly. (laughs) And I, um, one of my best friends, like we had a conversation about this when, when the whole mushroom thing was happening here in Denver and she was like, Oh, you know, it's going to just lead to way higher drug rates and all these things. And I'm like, 
if a person doesn't want to do drugs when they're illegal, doesn't like that, that's not going to make them automatically just be like, I'm going to go try this. Like now that it's illegal and you know, you're not going to go to jail for doing it. Like people don't want to do drugs for more reasons than it, you know, just being illegal. And if somebody doesn't want to do them, you know, that's their choice. And it just, you know, just having the access isn't going to like turn them into a drug fiend, you know? Yeah, it is such an, ex- like, clearly those people have never done mushrooms. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it is such an intense experience. Like, mm-hmm. you don't just fucking run to this thing, in my opinion. No. Like, if you have that urge, you do it. There's other drugs that you do that with. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, I've seen people who, like, do acid all the time. Like, I've known people who've done tons of acid. Mm-hmm. Like, they're, they're all fucking fucked up. Um, <laughs> yeah. A little too much. But, um. And, and also if, if mushrooms are legal, like I would rather somebody do mushrooms than drink a ton of alcohol. So, oh yeah, I mean like, yeah, again, people are so uptight about one drug, but not about the one that like actually kills people. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just like kind of reflective of American society as a whole and how kind of like puritanical we really are when it comes to a lot of things. Mm-hmm. um that are pretty normal in the rest of the world but you know for some reason here we're like get on our fucking high horse for some reason <laughs> yeah I, th- I think the british empire like figured out how to <laughs> oppress people better than any other industrial society <laughs> like <Damn. laughs> um because we're descendant you know our country yeah. is descendants of the british empire and i th- mm-hmm. like i don't know I don't think I said on this po- on a previous podcast, but like Andrew Jackson, I is in my mind is like the culmination of like the British empire genocide. Oh my God. Oppression. Um, you know, he was like directly yeah. descended from Scots Irish people and from like the Appalachians, but the Scots Irish were like the OG, like oppressed, isolated people <laughs> along with like the Celts. Um, yeah. And yeah, like the British empire perfected this. And I think that this intense misogyny, goes hand in hand with like outlawing all drugs except for alcohol and pushing alcohol on people. Like that's how um, like Irish people and indigenous Americans are like similar Um, Mm -hmm. that that compulsive behavior through trauma from the British empire. Um, So anyway, yeah, I think it all comes together under like class war, you know, as a socialist. Yeah, definitely, definitely agreed with that. You know? Yeah. 100% agreed. (laughs) Um, But speaking, speaking of the, the racist white supremacist British empire. Didn't, did you say that you traveled to the the British Isles? Is that where you went? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I've been, I've been to a few, I've been to Europe a few times now. Um, and yeah, I've been to, I've been to England and Ireland as well as some other places on like the main, main uh, European um, continent. Uh, but yeah, I've definitely been, been to England and Ireland. Liked them both a lot. I had a good time in both of those places. Yeah, that is awesome. What did you like most about those places? Um, Ireland in particular. I mean, like my family is heavily Irish. Like my mom's side is pretty much purely Irish. Um, so going over there and I would see, you know, my mom's family, both, you know, uh, it's Egan and Lavelle or my uh, mom's like that side of her family. And I would see that those last names everywhere. Cause like, that's, you know, I have like, you know, if I wanted to, I could trace my cousins or whatever out there. Um, and so seeing that and it was really cool. And just kind of, you know, seeing, you know, where my family came from um, and, you know, the people were so fucking nice. Like everybody was so friendly. Um, the beer was awesome. The food was really good. And yeah, I just love like lush green scenery. Um, and especially in Ireland, like, 
uh, going to like the Cliffs of Moore and whatnot. I was just like, this is so beautiful. Hmm. It's so beautiful. And we got lucky to have some like really sunny, beautiful days when we were there too. So it was like, oh, it was awesome. I was supposed to go there this fall, actually. Uh, Nebraska football was supposed to play a game there uh, in Dublin, but got canceled for obvious reasons. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I too love like the lush green. That's like my favorite, Mm -hmm. my fucking favorite. Um, Dude, yep. And then my friends a bunch of years ago went to Ireland for a Penn State game, all my Penn State buddies. Dude, yeah. hell yeah. I did not go because I was like, at that point, I was already, I had already been to like Amsterdam and Germany and Italy and and I was like, guys, I don't need, I can't watch a football game. I can't like waste <laughs> hours of my time. I'm, I'm, I give Eva marching orders when we travel. Like I'm real, like from 1020 to 310, we are at this museum. Then from 310 to 320, we walk to lunch. And then because I'm, I'm, I'm getting better at that. I'm like, I'm really, yeah. but I couldn't go to a football game with them. Um, unfortunately they like don't travel that much outside of the country. So I should have took my opportunity because it's fun to travel with others. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And yeah, this trip, I was going to go with like my mom, my brother and our stepdad. And, um, this, uh, my mom's only been out of the country one time before when she was in high school and she's never been to Ireland, even though, yeah, like I said, that whole side of the family is Irish as fuck. <laughs> um, and so she was like, she was like, this is going to be, cause you know, when we were younger, we used to vacation in like South Dakota and Iowa, you yeah. know, we didn't have money to go anywhere else outside of that. And, yeah. you know, so being able to like, take this trip as a family to this beautiful country, you know, that's not our own was going to be like this huge, amazing thing. So well, we'll get them next time, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So COVID disrupted that or. Yeah. Yeah. Cause basically like what they, they uh, made the official announcement a few years ago and it's basically like, you know, everyone's pretty much going to be vaccinated by the time, you know, the football season rolls around. The game was going to be in like September, October. But because of because of the fact that they lost so much revenue over the last year, they want to have as many, you know, home games as possible. And it was going to be uh, against Illinois. So they're going to have the game just in Champaign instead. Um, so I'm like, it, you know, it makes sense. Get, you know, get those businesses and bars and, you know, whatnot flowing back up. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that makes sense. Um so when you did go, did you see any castles? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I saw, you know, I, cause I also went to like, you know, I lived in Spain. Um, so there were oh, right. fucking castles everywhere. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I taught English. I taught English in this tiny little town called Jerez de la Frontera <laughs> in the South of Spain. Um, and Sick. I didn't like it at all, but um, yeah, I also studied really, around there in college. Was it like a really quiet, sleepy town? It was not as like small and sleepy as like others, like people like, cause this was technically like a city, you know, and if you got placed in like a Pueblo, like, you know, a tiny little town, like way out, like it was way worse, but like that town was like the smallest place I've ever lived. Like Omaha even is like, you know, it was like three, 400,000 people growing up and Jerez is like maybe 200,000. And that's like, including it's very rural. So there are a lot of farms and stuff on the outskirts and it's including all of those people too. And so like when you count just like the city, in the city center, it's like, there's like not that many people there. And I was just, I can't, I can't do small towns. Can't do it. I hear you. I, I wouldn't be able to either. Um, no. Yeah. When I was there, I think I went to Ronda, like another, like tiny oh, little. Dude, with the, the big ass bridge. Oh, maybe it was. Yes. That was one place, but we went to another place. There was like two places that we went to and that was one. Mm-hmm. And the other one was like even smaller. 
Um, and there was just like nothing going on. It was this town with yeah. like all these fountains from like, like mid the medieval medieval times. And um, it was so quiet and it was yeah, fun dude. like walking around, but um, it was weird. And yeah, I, but S- Southern Spain is like so cool. Is beautiful. Yeah. I, I, I visited Rhonda as well. Like me and my friends got an Airbnb there when we studied abroad and like, it was, it was like so rainy and like torrential rain the entire time that we were there. Mm. So like when we were able to walk around, there was like literally nobody out, nothing was open and it was just, yeah, it was, it was weird. It was a beautiful city, but like nothing, not a whole lot going on. You go and look at the bridge and you're like, that thing is sick. And that's about all you can do. (laughs) I think I look like Spanish people more than when I travel, like other than an American, Mm -hmm. the other country that I could pass as is Spanish. Um, Yeah, definitely. Like the way I, the the dark hair, like dark hair, dark eyes, like, yeah. Um, I tan a lot in the summer, but I'm like, I'm like Mm -hmm. really light skinned, but I tan, I I get dark uh, or bronze. Yeah. Um, and then I'm like, I have like a belly, you know, like I'm a little fat. And I think that's like, I think Spanish people are probably. That's dude. That's Europeans. like my, you just, you just described my host dad when I studied abroad, man. Like yeah. that's him. Um, I, <laughs> but yeah. I love wearing short sleeves. Like I'll either wear like a polo or like, I like like short sleeve button ups. Um, mm-hmm. And I like like wearing like slacks or like skinny jeans. And I like wearing <sighs> sneakers and, um, but also boots. Like I, I really I love ham. Like I fit right in with the Spanish people. I'll smoke a cigarette. <laughs> Dude. Hell yeah. <laughs> That's funny. No, it's, I mean, I think my, like one of my greatest uh, moments of my life is when I was living in Jerez and uh, uh, somebody tapped me on my shoulder and started asking me for directions. And then, you know, I turn around and like, you know, they start talking and then they just look at me and then they start laughing and they go, never mind, never <laughs> mind. Like you're obviously not from here. I was like, yeah, you're right, man. You got me. You pinned me. But no, it was it was kind of cool. Like, because when I when I lived there, um, I only worked four days a week. And believe it or not, the Spanish school system is um, incredibly relaxed. And so we just had vacations all the fucking time. So I was able to go, you know, to a bunch of different countries. And I like to travel on my own and travel solo. And like, nice thing about like going to a European country is that like, you know, especially by yourself, I look like I could pretty much fit into any European country except for like Portugal, Spain, or Italy. And so people would just leave me alone, never ask me for anything unless they were asking me for directions until they realized, Oh, this is a, an American. <laughs> never mind. Um, but yeah, I got like left alone pretty much all the time. And, but it was always flattering when somebody like, you know, would start speaking to me like in French or something. And mm. I'm just like, we, you know, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. but yeah, I definitely, I definitely miss like just bopping around and, you know, experiencing different places and cultures and eating all the food. Oh, mm-hmm. Miss it. Um, Eva looks most like people from the Czech Republic of all the places we've been to mm-hmm. even more than like, like we went to Budapest in the same trip and like the people look different. It's like a different yeah kind of people and Eva's family is from half of her family or were Jewish people from that area. They were from Bohemia. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Eva looks like her hair, her face, her eyes. Like I was seeing Eva's everywhere. And she also, they all wear leather. Ja- <laughs> they all wear black leather jackets and like loose fitting blue jeans. <laughs> like they, they're just what Eva wears. Um, 
so okay so i have a question for you what yes do you have like a favorite place or a, a place that you just loved so much when you were traveling around oh that's i mean i think the one city that will forever have my heart uh is where i studied abroad in sevilla spain um just, yeah, being there, I mean, it was like, I made just amazing friends, both, you know, in my program and local, I stayed with a host family. So I, I got a very like immersive experience. And I went in the springtime, which is kind of the best time to go because you have Samana Santa, which is right now, actually, it's it's Easter, a uh, week before Easter. And then you have Feria, which is like the fair. And literally, I think it's in like, May, I think, and or maybe april and it's literally just a week of partying straight up like they literally will like every city in the south pretty much has just a gigantic like empty area that is empty the entire year except for this one week and then it fills up with tents and carnival rides and everybody goes and like people you know dress up in like the old you know caballero style like you know riding in the horses that you know dance on their like tiptoes yes. and shit yes, like <laughs> <laughs> it's dude it's it's it, it was so awesome and yeah so Sevilla definitely like has my heart forever cool oh man I want to go to Sevilla I, I went to other areas of southern Spain but not Sevilla and I'm so excited to go dude there. oh Sevilla is oh the best man if you go like definitely let me know I can give you all the recommendations sweet Yes, I, I will get that. Um, I like thinking about like, what is each country like the best at? Like when I visit mm. um, mm -hmm. and I, before and after I went to Spain, like before I thought that this was what Spain was like. And when I went, it confirmed it that I thought that Spain would be <laughs> like, they would have perfected partying. And I really think like their specialty is like fucking party. Like I they, like, right? you know, people talk about like how British people can, you know, pound drinks in and whatnot, but like British people aren't partying till seven in the morning. Like they are in Spain. Like when I lived in Jerez and like, you know, I had, like I said, I only worked four days a week. So I had three day weekends every single weekend. And, you know, I will also say that the drugs in Spain are incredibly cheap um, mm -hmm. and pretty pure as well. Um, and so like, I've never partied harder in my fucking life than I, than I, you know, when I lived in, in Jerez and keeping up with those motherfuckers sometimes was so hard. <laughs> like, it would be like four in the morning and I'd be like, okay, I, you know, I got to go. And they're like, but, uh, uh, Cinquenta y Cinco just opened up. Like we just got, we got to go. It just opened. It's, you know, it's, it's opening time. And I'm like, what, yeah, what do you mean? Yeah. The energy they have to party <laughs> is endless it's, seemingly. It's crazy. Cause yeah, the thing is, is like, they, they never go like, you know, you never like see people just like pounding drinks. It's just a consistent, continuous drinking throughout the night. Yeah. Um, and you know, never really overdoing it. And that's, that's the key. That's the mm -hmm. key. If you want to party till 7am. Yeah. Yes. And, and here's the, uh, like, here's something I love about Spanish and Hispanic culture <clears throat> that I guess I've never put my finger on <clears throat> like Anglo-Saxon culture, like where I'm from. Um, even though my family's from Italy, like we, we very quickly Americanized. So I'm like an mm -hmm. American, we like stigmatize dancing in a weird way. Yeah, yeah, dude. I'm Irish. Yeah, definitely. Like, yeah, it's that stiff upper lip stuff. It's that Brit again, the British empire bullshit. Um, mm -hmm. I think Spanish and Hispanic culture is like, I feel so much comfortable just getting up and like, let's fucking, Oh, it's 10 AM. And like there may or may not be music on <laughs> guess what I'm dancing motherfucker. And like, it's completely acceptable me as like a big yeah. masculine man. If I just want to start like moving my hips, everyone's like, look at this, look at this guy. 
And <laughs> I fucking love that because I love to dance. Yeah. Like I've always loved to dance. And mm-hmm. Eva is not a, a dancer necessarily. Like I drag her on the dance floor and she dances, but like I'm the mm-hmm. dancer. And so when I'm around Spanish and Hispanic people, I'm like, fuck yeah, we're going to fucking dance. <laughs> yeah. There's that? definitely like a spirit of like liveliness and just kind of like, you know, not always super caring what other people think about you. Like I, I found that Spanish people like are not very judgmental, like at all, you know, they don't, for the most part, I mean, they definitely, you know, I'm not saying that Spanish people don't have their, you know, super institutionalized problems because they do, but you know, people there are very, you know, just free and it's kind of just Europe in general. Like a lot of people are very, you know, open and to a lot of different things and, you know, dancing and just anything involving like the human body, I think is much more like, you know, accepted and embraced than it is here. Yeah. Well, not in like Switzerland, not in Germany. Like those are not right. Like the Southern half for sure. I mean, in Germany, like you, you would probably dance and sing, but like you do that, like in a beer hall, you know what I mean? (laughs) Right. Yeah. You're kind of maybe sitting down and like, yeah, Yeah. I feel that. (laughs) Um, Have you ever been to Italy? I have. Yeah. When I, yeah. When I lived over there, I yeah, took a trip. I was just only able to go to Rome. Um, but yeah, Rome was great. Yeah. I think what Italy <laughs> does the best, like what they specialize in is relaxing or doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I definitely, I feel the same way about Spain too, because I mean, in Spain, everything is closed down on Sundays. Yeah. Um, and you have siesta during the day, which I remember one time, like I had like a flood in my kitchen, like, cause my, my dishwasher was like hooked up to my sink for some reason. Mm-hmm. And like, it was literally just flooding my entire fucking kitchen. And I called my landlord and she was like, oh, well, you know, the guy can't come to fix it because it's siesta. So he'll be, he won't be able to come until like for like two more hours. I'm like, ah. my, pl- my apartment is underwater right now. Carmen, do you <laughs> right. not understand what like, I'm we'll going get, through? We'll get to it when we get to it. <laughs> but uh. It was, yeah, very like, it was, you know, definitely I was like, my American self was like peeved as fuck. But also mm-hmm. I was like, I guess it'll just wait. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. When renting a car in, in Barcelona, like with another, like there was another, cool. me and another American both trying to get our reservations and we were like commiserating together and we, we, both, we exchanged business cards ended up being a business opportunity for me. Cause I was, <laughs> I was working in government lobbying and he was, he worked in that space. Anyway, um, yeah. I, I think Italy is more of a specialist in doing nothing or relaxing than Spain. And I'll, <laughs> since you know, Spain, right. You're like fluent or near fluent. In Spanish. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So there are two phrases in Italian that I think like give it more credence, but maybe there are phrases like this in Spanish. So in, in Italian, there's something mm-hmm. called um, dolce di fare niente, which is just like the sweetness of doing nothing. And that's like mm-hmm. a very popular, I mean, it used to be amongst older generations, like a really popular phrase. Um, and yeah. It was like Italians take very seriously that like fucking chill time. Um, yeah. And then this other term is called the passeggiata, which is like the after dinner ritual in towns and cities mm. around Italy where you, you dress up in your fucking nicest clothes, which is every day in Italy, but you, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Seriously. And then after, <laughs> after dinner, you walk down like a specified route. Um, and if you were in Rome, it like ends or starts at the Spanish steps. I don't remember. Um, but, Mm. but the passeggiata is like a famous thing. And the old people, like when you're old enough, you don't have to, you're not socially expected to do this parade essentially. Mm -hmm. But if you're young, you are like absolutely expected to like strut your shit, 
Um, and I just think that's so funny. It's such like a funny culture awesome. thing all over Italy. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything like that in Spain? Like any phrases that mean like you do nothing now? <laughs> yeah, that? yeah, definitely. Um, I remember the, the, when I learned this is when I was studying abroad and we were like going on a trip. I can't remember where we were going, but we were like supposed to meet up at this one place. Um, and we were, you know, going to go on a bus to go wherever and somebody was late or something. And, you know, one of the, our like people that worked in our program was like La Prisa Mata, which means the hurry kills. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, yes, it does, man. I like, I have that in my bio on like Instagram and Twitter and stuff. And I'm just like that, like that hit my heart so much. I'm just like, I love that shit. I love so that funny. so much. Okay. That's really good. So like, maybe it's just mm-hmm. like a Mediterranean thing, right? Like I, it must be, it must yeah, be. <laughs> yeah. I respect it so much. Yeah. Um, I learned about like lang- like language um, in s- southern portions of any language area, the southern speakers will have more like like they'll chop off the ends of syllables more often and yes. there will be like an overall like slack jawness, like a more relaxed like I don't know um, just mm-hmm. and it's the theory is just like it's hot. <laughs> And you're just, like, yeah. and it's just like too much work. But wait, in the north where it's cold, you're like all uptight and you over pronounce and like you and brisk. Yeah, like you want to produce energy. And I just think that's a funny nuance to language. That's so interesting. Yeah, I mean it's true. It's true. Like if you like study, you know, northern Spain Spanish versus like southern, like in Andalusia, like Spanish is almost like not like recognizable from some of the Spanish that they speak up North because of the way that they pronounce their words, the way that they like chop certain, you know, syllables and vowels off of the ends of their words and stuff. It's, it was really interesting to like, cause the first time I ever went to Spain, I went to Barcelona and Valencia where they speak very like, you know, con- clear, concise Spanish. Uh, and then to go to the South and I, and they have a name for like Andalusian Spanish that I cannot remember what it is, but yeah, it's like a big enough thing to where it's like, it has a name and everything yeah. and you can study it in school. <laughs> right. Right. Italian has the same thing. Like I can't talk to my Sicilian cousins and aunts and uncles. It is impossible. Mm-hmm. And I, I <laughs> used to speak Italian very well. Um, and then like going, if you ever go from Berlin to Switzerland, like they're both speaking German, mm-hmm. but like the Swiss dude will sound more relaxed. Like he'll, he'll be, ch- and he will probably also be more relaxed. Like they're just chiller. <laughs> they're like friend jollier. Um, yeah. Um, and like in northern northern Germany, it's like a little bit. It's, yeah. It's Ass tight, dude. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> Have you ever been to Belgium? No, but I like, yeah, I had a lot of friends who went up there for, you know, our little trips and stuff. And I, I want to go. I want to go just because I love the movie uh, in Bruges. I want to go to Bruges also really, really bad. Yeah. Bruges is awesome. Um, I've been to Belgium like two or three times. Um, mm-hmm. and it's my favorite place in the world. Yeah. Um, Ghent it's like a, cool. it's like a fucking fairy tale is, you know what they say in the movie, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I was talking with this dude from France, um, and I've been to France and, and I've learned over time that I don't dislike French people. I don't, I, but I dislike Parisians, I think. Um, like, I, think <laughs> I think people from Paris are like pretty fucking snooty. Um, and like an annoying, just, it's a cultural difference as a New Yorker. It's, it's a cult, even though fucking New York is filled with Parisians, by the way, it, oh, might, interesting. it might be like the city that people are from the most that I noticed, uh, living in New yeah. York. 
But anyway, I don't like, maybe those are the cool Parisians that I met. Or actually, no, I didn't really like, they were a little stuffy. Anyway, um, I was talking to a French guy and I was saying like, I love how Belgian people are, in my opinion, like the friendliest people on in the world. And not just mm-hmm. like friendly, like they're like incredibly warm. Um, I'm sure there are some countries like in Central America and in Asia and in Africa that are like this that I've never been to. But in Europe, mm-hmm. for the European countries I've been to or any country, like, yeah, the Belgians are really warm, very welcoming, and and um, you don't feel judgment from them. Yeah. Uh, so everyone feels real comfortable. And the French guy was like, oh, I feel the same way about Belgian people. And I think that's interesting that we both have the same perception of Belgian people. <laughs> I was like, yeah, this really confirms, like, I think this might be a, an objective thing. Dude, maybe, yeah, maybe it is. I don't know. I will say I had a really great time in Paris. Uh, maybe it's because I look kind of French, but like people were really nice to me. And like, actually, like one of my favorite travel stories is like my first night I was in Paris. I went to a concert that was like across the street from my hostel. I saw um, Young Lean, if you're uh, familiar with who Young Lean is at all. Um, fucking love him. And uh, yeah, this like guy like came up and like started hitting on me, but like he couldn't speak English and I couldn't speak French. <sighs> and so we just like flirted with each other with uh, Google Translate, oh, <laughs> just like phones in front That's of our really faces. Yeah. Um, it was fun. Yeah. I, I don't know. I had a good, I had a really good experience, but maybe it's because, you know, being solo and like being able to like kind of blend in maybe like gave me a, a an upper hand on that one. I, I, I would say I felt the most like judged in Rome though, honestly. Well, was it because of what you were wearing? Um, I mean, I like, so here's the thing is like, I like having traveled so often, I like can pinpoint as many people can what an American looks like abroad. Mm -hmm. And I like definitely like made it to made it a point to like, you know, not look like a fucking American. Um, but like, there were definitely like, I went to this like restaurant and, uh, there was nobody in there. Um, and I asked if I could come, you know, just have a single table, you know, to eat dinner. And they were like, no, don't you see, this is all reserved. And I'm like, (laughs) there's, I'm literally, literally the only person in here. And they were like, no, Hmm. I was like, okay, (laughs) like, I guess I'll find something else. I suppose, man, that was kind of fucking rude. Um, it was weird. And yeah, just a lot of, you know people on the street just kind of like yelling at you, which was not, not super fun either. Yelling at you. Uh, but that, that happened. Yeah. Just like, I mean, trying to sell you shit, you know, that kind gotcha, of thing, but that happens gotcha. in, a, in every single big city, you know, but yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think people in Italy are incredibly rude. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, and like my mom's been multiple times and she always has stories about, especially like mm. a restaurant or a hotel person being just like the worst. <laughs> yeah. That person was like, I've like, have never like people like, I think people in general are really nice, you know, most places that you go. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I've never been like, so like rejected and just like shut down immediately by some stranger when I was like trying to like patron their business. It was yeah. so fucking weird. <laughs> I think when I, I mean, I only went to Italy once and I was, I was 14. So this was a long mm-hmm. time. And this was in the late nineties. Um, but I've take, I took seven years of Italian classes and part of Italian, when you're taught by an Italian person, they insist on teaching you culture. Um, so I feel like I have a good beat on it, but I, I think Italian culture is, um, it's like misogynistic in a different way than the Mm U S. Um, like in some ways women have more rights or, or like misogyny is less intense, but in some ways it's more intense. And I think one of the ways it's more intense is in 
social interactions between men and women, it's like mm-hmm. to, from an American perspective, it's like borderline predatory. Like it's like, or like manipulative. Um, yeah. Like if you're, if you're a, I don't know. I just feel like they treat foreigners differently and they treat women differently. Like either they're going to try and romance you um, mm-hmm. or, and, and even though they have like two other girlfriends, because that's also <laughs> socially acceptable in Italy to have like multiple mm. partners, but to not tell your partner about it. And, oh, and if you wow. get found out that partner has the right to like throw all your shit out the window and yell, make a big scene in front of everybody. This is like, yeah, <laughs> oh the culture is fucking hilarious. Um, that's crazy. It's like soap <laughs> opera culture. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. That's yeah. That's funny. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Eva when did a law school um, thing in Italy for a few weeks or a few months in Florence. Mm-hmm. And she's, and she has this hilarious story of this, the, the court is in session or supposed to be. And like the fucking lawyer, one of the lawyers is late. And so 10 minutes in this, this like woman, this stunning looking woman, like throws open the doors and like rut and like dramatically steps in. And she's got huge heels and this like red, like sexy dress. And she's got like perfectly done hair. And, and in Italy, the lawyers have to wear robes like they're judges, but mm-hmm. hers is yeah. like open. So her like sexy legs and like huge heels are strutting in. And she's like, Allora, Fatima, Zata. And she just like goes off and, um, and super dramatic. And Eva was like, Holy shit, this is so unlike American court in like so many that's ways. That's so funny, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing too. Like so many people are there just so sexy and so hot. It's like, how did this happen? You know? Yeah. It's wild. That's why I don't look like maybe Southern Italy, but I don't look like I'd be from most of Italy. Um, like the Amsterdam, like the Netherlands, the average height for a man is like six foot one. That's yeah. That's crazy. They all, I noticed they all have what I call slender feet. I go, Oh, look at my slender feet. I have their slender feet. Like, they have, they got little, little baby feet. Like. Yeah. Like they're stretched out. And I'm the opposite. I'm like, I'm like smushed. I'm like a six foot three person that was smushed down to five foot 11. Um, I'm like wide. That's so funny. Yeah. So like, I totally don't look like them. I couldn't buy any pair of shoes there. Um, I, and they're all like blonde, you know, they're all six, two and blonde. Right. Yeah, totally. I know. Yeah. I couldn't really shop that much in Spain. I mean, I'm, I'm not a big person in really any sort of metric in, you know, in anything, but like Spanish people are tiny as fuck. Like Spanish people are not very tall. They're all so skinny. And I mean, obviously it's a very broad generalization Mm -hmm. and there are people of all shapes and sizes in every country, but like people in Spain are not very tall. Um, they're very fit, a very fit people because they walk at fucking everywhere and eat a pretty healthy diet. Um, and yeah, just like buying clothes over there, I'd be like offended. I'm like, this is definitely a medium in America. Like, come on guys. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think, I think people are skinnier in Italy and Amsterdam. I think there's more bellies like, or where I was like in Barcelona. Um, I was like, Oh, I fit right in. Um, this is great. (laughs) Like definitely like, like the man with the belly is like, Like, I think after you turn like 38, maybe in Spain, it just kind of happens immediately. Yeah, because of all the ham and cigarettes. I mean, what do you, and like the 4 a.m. like. And the, and the beer, like. Yeah, life catches up to you. Right. (laughs) Um, But your legs will be in great shape because you're walking. Right. (laughs) Um, Another thing I, you mentioned like people in the UK think they can drink hard. 
I noticed mm-hmm. that the hardest partying people from the UK, they all retire in Southern Spain, <laughs> giving yes, more proof dude. to the fact that Spain is about partying. So many British people in that town that I lived in, like, I mean, yeah, just like it was, I have some crazy stories of some British people and Irish people in that, in that little tiny city that just like kind of blew my mind, but they're, they're everywhere, man. They're everywhere. It's crazy. Yep. It's their little getaway. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's beautiful down there, but yeah, I thought it was funny. They're all like partying. They're all Randy, uh, like uh, <laughs> baby boomer, uh, fucking British people. Like those people were hilarious. <laughs> we got to meet some of those people. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, it's true. It's true. They're everywhere down there. Um, so where, if you could go anywhere right now, where would you go? Just like Spain to take me there right now. Dude, no, Japan, man. Uh, me and my roommate had a fully booked trip last year in May, May, last two weeks of May. Uh, we had flights booked, Airbnbs booked, everything booked and it got fucking canceled, dude. Yep. Like, oh my God. I like, I like, cause you know, like I've been to Europe three times. I'm like, I want to go somewhere new, mm-hmm. you know, see some, a new culture, uh, so yeah, it would definitely be, definitely be Japan. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was supposed to go to Vietnam in April. So I had the same, same April 2020. Mm-hmm. So we had to cancel everything. Um, so have Dude, you ever so been, <clears throat> have you been to like Central America or South America or Mexico or anywhere? No, no, definitely not. I, I want, I want to go, if I could go another place I would, you know, if I could split my consciousness into, I would go to Peru. I want to go to Peru so bad. I want to see Machu Picchu and, just my, I had some friends that studied abroad in Peru and they said like, it was just the, like, people are so nice. Like it's so pretty and the food is amazing. Like, yeah, I really want to go, want to go somewhere down there, but mm-hmm. we'll get there someday. I know there's so much of the world to see. Um, I know. And for me, it's like another reason to try and stay healthy. Cause it's like, if I can mm-hmm. retire at a reasonable age and I still have my health, that's when I can do a lot of it. Dude, I know. I'm just like trying to like, I always like, I'm like, I just want to follow like in the footsteps of my grandpa, like he retired and he just went fucking everywhere. Like he, what he's been to. So he had been to so many countries and traveled to so many cool places. And I'm just like that. Yeah. That is my life goal. Yeah. I mean, cause with being 35, like even I have already, I've already decided places that I won't see until I'm retired, like South Africa. I'm not gonna mm-hmm. be able to see until I'm retired. There's just too many other yeah. awesome places and I will get there. I'll, I see you down there, but I can't <laughs> get there yet. You know, there's a, there's a few like that. Someday, dude. Yeah, absolutely. I feel that. Um, I had like pretty intense culture shock going to Marrakesh in Morocco. Yeah, I've been there. I've been there as well. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, Morocco was. Um, I remember. I yeah, just like I'm just thinking of because we is when I was studying abroad in Sevilla, it was like an optional kind of excursion to go to Morocco as part of my program. And um yeah, I just remember like going in and like it was so weird. Like we were we took a bus, because uh, you know, obviously like port the um Gibraltar is right on the tip of Africa and that's technically Spanish territory still. So you know, take a ferry over there. You're still in Spain technically. And then we drove down to, to Marrakesh. Uh, you know, we drove to Fez first. Um, and then like on the way we pick up, like we picked up a, our tour guide literally is on the side of the, the Moroccan highway, like hour, like seven into our drive. And we're still, you know, like four hours from, <laughs> from getting to Fez. Yeah. And this man is just standing on the side of the fucking road and we pick him up. 
And it was like the most bizarre experience ever. And it was just the start <laughs> of many strange things that happened in Morocco. It was a beautiful country. People were very nice and, you know, very hospitable. And the food was just so good. But yeah, it was definitely like the biggest culture shock I've ever had. Right? Yeah, that's a crazy yeah. place in Morocco. I, it was, yeah, because, uh, yeah, I mean, driving into, like, our tour guide was like, you know, we go into Fez, and it's going to be like a tale of two cities, you know, you're going to see people driving down the street in Lambos with suicide doors up, and then you're going to see little children begging you for water when we get to the Medina, you know, like, just yeah. get ready for that, and I was, like, fully not prepared for, you know, the, just the, I don't know, it, it was so different, it was so different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, to me, it really reinforced, like, um, these people have no opportunity to, to improve their mm-hmm. lives. Like if you're born poor yeah. in Morocco, like it's done. Like you are living yep. your entire life poor. It's not yep. like the U S absolutely. And especially you... like, I don't know if you like went to any of the more like desert sort of areas of Morocco, but we stayed a few nights in the, the desert, uh, Sahara desert. And there it was just like surrounded by, you know, literal nomadic people, uh, who, are also the smartest people I've ever met in my fucking life. Like these people literally like travel, you know, from city to city, going from camp to camp. And these people speak English, Chinese, Japanese, Spanish. Like they speak fluently in multiple languages and just like seeing them, I'm just like, yeah, they, they literally cannot like do anything except be nomads because there is no opportunity for them to do anything else but that. Yeah. You're Right. Exactly. You're born uh, into that family. <laughs> Get out. Are you fucking kidding me? You're right. not getting out. Dude. Nah, it's, it was so crazy. Yeah. And yeah, just like the biggest thing that just like really like got me was seeing the kids like beg for water bottles, you know, like the most basic thing that, you know, we wouldn't even think twice about, you know, and these kids are lucky if they get a water bottle from a stranger a day, you mm. know? Yeah. It was like, oh man, I like befriended some kids. Like I played like jump rope with them. And like, I, I bought a Frisbee, um, actually from this Frisbee store right here, you can't he- see it obviously this is a podcast, <laughs> but like this Spanish, like Frisbee shop, I bought like an extra Frisbee to give to whoever, whatever kids I met, like in, you know, in the oh, desert. Cool. And yeah, I, I gave them a, a little Frisbee to, to have before I left. And yeah, it was, it was really special. I, yeah. I'm, those kids were so cool. <laughs> wow. You were a much better tourist than I was. I, <laughs> I wouldn't recommend to anyone to going to Marrakesh first. Like, I think that was a mistake on my part. Mm-hmm. I knew nothing about the country, but like Marrakesh is the most intense city in Morocco. Like by far. Yeah. And see, I, I didn't really get to experience it. Like we spent a couple days in Fez and then we went to the desert and then on our way back when we were supposed to spend a couple of days in Marrakesh, mm-hmm. our bus got stuck in the <gasps> Atlas mountains because there was a, a raging snowstorm Holy and like shit. the Moroccan government had to like come rescue us and shit. And it was like this whole Holy debacle. Shit. Yeah, dude, it was crazy. We were joking, like, who are we going to eat first? Like, well, it was intense, dude. The food up there really sucks. I mean, no, the food in Morocco is amazing, <laughs> but, like, some of these mountain towns, I had I had bad meals. So, like, how yes. long were you stuck in the mountains? It was a few hours. It wasn't, like, terrible, you know, but, like, it was, yeah, like a sudden snowstorm out of nowhere, basically. And, we, I mean, yeah, like, yeah, so we got stuck in that, and then, we also got stuck because um, there was a guy that like strapped himself or was like holding on to the bottom of our bus that was like trying to hitch a ride with us back to Spain. 
Um, apparently that's really common. Um, people will like, you know, do that. And we had to have the police come and like talk him down. And like, it was, yeah, it was crazy. So a lot of delays. So I didn't really get to see Marrakesh. That's, that would be nerve wracking for me. I would have a lot of anxiety. Dude, it was nerve wracking. And then also after that happened, like the Moroccan police had to follow us, like until we got to Gibraltar again, but it did it, one of the funniest stories of my life as uh, one of my friends that was with us, his name is Albert American, obviously. Um, but he is like, he's half black and like half Mexican, I believe, or, you know, another half Hispanic. And um, so he looks like he could be Moroccan and we, we were getting back onto the bus um, from just stopping at a gas station or whatever. And like the Moroccan police stopped him. Yeah, yeah. They were like, whoa, 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 whoa. And he like, oh, he God. like looks and he's like, like all scared. And then our uh, program di- director looks at him and looks at the police and goes, no, 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 Albert, Albert. And then they go start laughing. They go, Oh, they go, Albert. <laughs> Albert. <laughs> right. And they let him on. And so, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. That's a so scary fucking moment. Funny. Yeah. Cause that's like, it's an incredibly oppressive <clears throat> police state for Moroccans, yes. but inc- absolutely dude. right. But incredibly welcoming to tourists, you know, they bend over backwards. Yeah. For the tourists. They, yeah, they really did. I mean, yeah, everything, like I said, from getting us unstuck in the mountains to like, per- like basically giving us an escort, like, you know, they really like did their best to like, you know, make things run, run smoothly. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it was, it was a really cool place to visit. I'm so glad I got the chance to go. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if tourism is the reason their bus infrastructure is so good. Maybe they know that's where their bread is buttered. Cause like I was so impressed with like multiple times a day to every city, the buses are leaving like exactly on time. Um, I felt safe. Like I, I was really impressed with the whole operation. Yeah. See, I didn't, I didn't, we didn't use any of the like public, like state transit or anything. We like had a a bus that we like some company that runs out of Spain that has been working with my study abroad company forever. We just like took buses through them. Um, but yeah, it was, yeah, I could definitely see that being true. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like I flew into Marrakesh and like, it is so much more intense than Fez. Um, and like, I've Mm -hmm. talked to, I talked to New Yorkers about this. Like if, if they had encountered these situations, would they feel similar? And they agreed. And so in Marrakesh, the, the merchants and the people like the people trying to sell you stuff and the people at these booths are like hyper aggressive. And to the point where like, there's a lot of unwanted touch going on, um, Mm, like mm -hmm. with me and Eva. And also there's like, I, I think it's like the, the French, um, like romantic mixed with like the Muslim misogyny. So like there's a lot of overt flirting and overt like, Ooh, look at that ass. And like, like some real like messed up stuff going on around us. Yeah. And people are like grabbing me by the arm and like my friend, my friend, Obama, Obama, like come this way. <laughs> they're like, Obama, oh, no. good Trump, bad. And, um, and, they're, <sighs> and, and they're leading and, or they'll lie to me and they'll be like, no, 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 that road's closed. You need to go that way. That would happen. Like, like every day, multiple times a day. Wow. Even I would just be walking the big and up, but dude, that way, that way's closed uh, because Damn. it's a maze. And they, what they're trying to do is reroute you to like their uncle's shop or whatever. And it's like mm-hmm. all like, you know, earnest, but as a New Yorker, when somebody's touching me and like lying to me and trying to get me to go down some other alley, that's, mm-hmm. that means like this person's 
has a knife and they're going to like threaten me and mug me or they're actually going to assault me. Like something bad is going to fucking happen. Like that doesn't happen in New York unless something bad's going to happen. So like as a New Yorker, I'm like, (laughs) my fists are literally clenched and I'm like, you need to get your fucking hands off me. Right. And Eva's like, AJ, you need to stop. And I'm like, what? Like that dude was about, and she was like, no, you don't understand. And so I'm like, I can't, this is 30, 33 years of training. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, Social it, yeah. I mean, I definitely like, I understand what you mean by like the, like overt, like almost like aggressiveness and it, it's not aggressiveness. And like, you know, I'm trying to fuck you up and like steal your shit. It's like, I'm being aggressive because this is literally how I make my living. And if you don't buy this stuff, like, you know, I'm going to go hungry. Like, yeah. and, uh, but yeah, no, it definitely had like a lot of guys like, you know, offer marriage proposals, um, as you know, in a stereotypical and shitty as it sounds for camels, like that's literally what they mm-hmm. said to us. Like, and, um, you know, the haggling too, I thought the haggling was kind of fun, like in, in, in the shops and stuff. Like I just, I like to bullshit a lot. Like yeah. I'm good at bullshitting. And so yeah. like when, when, uh, I went to buy this like jacket or whatever, like from this awesome, like handmade handwoven store, like I got the shit down, like half over half the price of what the guy was originally offering me. And I was yeah. like. I, I like that. You I like that. I wish, you, I, wish I could do that here in America. <laughs> right. Yeah. I learned. Yeah. It's such a weird, that was also fucked up. Like, cause the conversion of simply the Moroccan Durham to Durham, the U S yeah, dollar was so it's insane. It was like 7,500 Durham to $1. So it was like not an even yeah. or 3000 Durham to $1. Like it wasn't an even to a uh, uh, 10, you know, base 10, sort of calculation. Right. <laughs> and, and then it was that on top of the fact that the, the starting price is usually d- like double or, or 170% of what they actually want to sell it to you at. So it's like, yeah, right. that confused me and it angered me. And I'm like, this is dishonest. And he was <laughs> like, no, this is just, and then my friends from India who like live in India, they were like, India is the same way, but it's not that extreme. Like it's not. Yeah. Half, but it's just, yeah, like a cultural, like if I had started in Fez, I would have been so much better off because people in Fez are chiller. They openly say like, we're not mm-hmm. like those people in Marrakesh, like mm-hmm. we're chill. Like, you don't have to fucking, don't worry about it. <laughs> right. Totally. Yeah. That's funny. That's funny. Yeah. Cause I mean, yeah. Cause I mean, how big is, I believe like Morocco from, from top to bottom is about the same size as California. It is, is from top to bottom, mm-hmm. um, almost identically pretty pretty goddamn close in terms of length um uh and so yeah like even like having cities like like that can be so different from one another even though they are in the same city and have you know the same religion and whatnot but like it's crazy how different you know cities can be when they're that geographically distant from one another yeah like i think a mountain range probably separated them (laughs) i think fez is further up in the mountains but yeah it was interesting that that cultural difference just within that country for sure Mm mm-hmm yeah, definitely. Morocco, interesting place for sure. Yeah. And even our, like, I don't think we're going to go back. Also, we don't, we don't think we want to go to Muslim countries. Like I don't want even have like acid thrown on her for no reason. Um, and Morocco was like, is the most liberal quote unquote Muslim country. Um, yeah. So yeah. I, and also the thing about Europe is like, 
all the, because of the gross colonization, like all the greatest museums are there for not only artifacts, but like it was a big, that was the, the surviving intellectual center. So we have the paintings essentially, um, that you don't have if you go to like South Africa. Um, and it's nice to have centralized culture. I wish the money was, you know, as a socialist, it would be great if the museums would just fucking give the money to where it's supposed to go. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But reciprocate but, so, at least a little bit. Yeah. So I don't know how many more Muslim countries I really need to see. Cause even I love like the theater and the theater and like, um, museums <laughs> and, and shit like that. So. Yeah. I definitely want to go to Jordan for sure. That's like on top of my list. Absolutely. Oh, they have that amazing thing that was in one of the Indiana Jones movies. This Petra, like, Petra. Oh yeah, the God. city, ancient cities carved into the, the cliff sides. <laughs> yeah, that looks nuts. <laughs> I know, yeah. One of my, my friends who I was talking about that lived in Oregon, she's from Jordan originally, and so she has a lot of family that lives there. And I'm like, dude, if we could like go to Jordan someday, man, I would shit my pants. That'd be so cool. <laughs> yeah, okay, maybe I would. That sounds really cool. And another very, <laughs> like, quote-unquote liberal like, yeah, there's a lot it, of, yeah, definitely. Um, not like Arab Emirates or something, I don't think. So, yeah, no, I, yeah, I have no desire, yeah, to really go there. But, yeah. uh, who, oh my gosh, we like get these like a uh, coffee readings done sometimes by this, um, I believe he is, oh my gosh, I can't remember what country he's from. Um, anyway, there's another one that I is on my bucket list because <laughs> he shows us pictures all the time. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Um, yeah, I forgot about Jordan. Well, God, there's so many cool places. So many, so many, so many places will go. Um, speaking of going, I, I think this has been a lovely conversation, but I feel like this is a good, a good pause point. Um, this has been awesome. I, you've, you've got me thinking about travel and got me excited for travel. Um, (laughs) I know, man, me too. I want to go. Yeah. Just like, but Second least, vaccine's coming up here soon. Yeah, but at least you and I like can go. Yeah, I'm getting my Johnson and Johnson next Monday, so I'll be good to go. Nice, um, hell yeah! Like you and I can go hiking in Colorado, and we should go to Crestone, this cool spiritual center that's going to host one of our fridges. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! That's right! Yeah, 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 dude! I'd be so down. I love, I love hiking. I sincerely hate camping like a lot. <laughs> it fucking yeah. fills me with anxiety, and I hate it so much. But I love going hiking. Cool. Yeah, we should do that. All right. I would, yeah, I'd be so down. <laughs> well, um, thank you for chatting and coming on the pod. Yeah, dude, thanks for having me. It's it's really fun. I've never been on a podcast before, so this is exciting. <laughs> yeah, this is great. You're a, you're a natural. Um, maybe we could do it again sometime. I'd love to have you on again. Dude, yeah, let me know. I'm, I'm always, always down. I love just shooting the shit and, and talking about cool stuff with cool people. Cool. Excellent. Well, thank you. I love you. This has been fun. I love you too, man. Yeah, this has been great. Thank you so much for for the opportunity. For real. I'm going to tell all my friends about it. Cool. Excellent. Um, Well, (laughs) on that note, um, say say goodbye to all our listeners, and we're going to go back to Mac Miller's What's the Use to take us out. Um, Awesome. Awesome. So thank you again, Laura, and thank you again to all the listeners, and this has been the Unnecessary Podcast. Bye-bye. Time stall A above and beyond. You take drugs to make it up, way up where we on. Space shuttle Elon. Time we don't waste much. Fuck when we wake up. Then I have her sang just like Celine Dion. Catch me if you can, but you'll never catch me. Damn.